This is the fru fru eating now. I love how the internet went crazy. Makes no sense. I mean, I'm looking to see if it's the time of day where more people would be using but it just makes no sense the internet jumps up and down randomly the frou-frou is having her lunch finally so that's a good thing i'm not sure why this thing keeps moving it's like something is pushing it down or something i'm not sure There's lots of wires, lots of things, and we're in a tight spot, so it's good she's a small dog, and she's very, she's small, medium, really, but she's a little tank, but she's so relaxed. She's always been like that. She likes to go out and walk and sniff, and so she enjoys going with me, because when I go out, I space out, and I start looking at... You know, the trees and the nature and all this stuff and <laughs> I get lost. So for me it's awesome. I we are very good walking together. Meaning was more let's go, let's go. So in that way she was more um for my roommates likes to walk like that. I always tell them let the puppy you know, sniff and be a dog, right? Like, it's... They always have to leave. That's another reason why I want to move and have a more rural life. It's one, because I've never, you know, been scared of that kind of work. It really relaxes me. That's how I meditate, actually. Most of my meditations are not me lying down and, you know, doing what those people who have servants doing their job, you know, their menial work for them do i i do my own shit thanks and i use that kind of time and efforts to one exercise usually because you're moving you're not always sedentary which is you know this is all good but if you're in front of it too much it will affect you negatively like you're not unless you're a high high frequency being and they wouldn't stay in front of this anyway because this stuff has, it does have these waves that you feel, and when you use um, mics, you know, they emit. They all have different things, but they do emit, and I can feel it, and, you know, I do shield the area and stuff, but it doesn't matter. It's, you know. I mean, in the end of it all, it's better to be outside in nature, and wow, my compliments you at everything what a good girl yeah you happy i'm a very good girl 
Yeah, she wasn't feeling great yesterday, so when we went out, she was eating grass and then, you know, she puked some time. It was nothing really, but it's what they do to clean. It's also the time of year. They start doing that. And so, you know, she she's a very smart dog. She's always been very good with food. She doesn't really overeat. She likes bread a lot, but I try not to give her because it's sugar, right? So I really like nice bread, so I give her, you know, she, <laughs> I, I love the sourdough, of course, that's why I'm so sour. And, <laughs> and she loves the sourdough too, so, you know, it's, it's, um, it's those things, you know, but I don't give her like a big piece or stuff, you know, you give them like a, a little, a, like a slice, a piece of a slice, right? So her, she used to, to share them with the sister before, and are you very happy now? You know, she's going under the chair. What are you doing? <laughs> Need a hand? You stinker. I don't know how she can fit under there because she's not she's not a tiny dog. I mean she if she had longer legs she would be considered like medium but uh, still, you know, going toward kind of like maybe the larger no medium large, that's all. You know, when you look at her, she doesn't seem so big, but in reality, she is a tank. Like, uh, and she's not as. Uh, we think like she's about probably sixty pounds now, sixty sixty five pounds. So she's not tiny, but she doesn't look like it. And there's all this fluff. It's pretty, and she has this serious face with a big thing in the middle so she always seems angry when she looks still but she's never is because if you look at her tail she's always happy but it's funny to see people getting scared of her because they don't know she's talkative and so you know so we've had difficult dogs like Pepsi was a loser asshole in that way like he was so damaged that dog man after 10 years of abuse poor animal he had around his neck he had the signs of the the rope whatever they put around there you know and it was probably a chain i guess he was outside all the time in his little dog house and nobody cared for him i was like seriously like why would you put a chihuahua in this weather outside all year and he, he was a lovely animal like he was super loyal very protective very cuddly, he liked to sleep under the covers if you let him. And yeah, he would bite when he wasn't happy because he was treated like shit. But then, after being with us for so long, and he was a biter more with men, so my roommate trained him and he was a different dog, <laughs> you know. And then when he got sick, because obviously his heart eventually, a lot of those dogs apparently have problems with the heart. I think it's because he had a heartache for 10 years, most likely also. And, you know, probably he was fed a lot of shit and, you know, he liked to eat that dog if he had been human. Oh man. <laughs> he really was a foodie, that dog. <laughs> he, he was big, he wouldn't eat just everything, but he liked the good food. 
And Mimi learned a lot from him. But Mimi, you know, there was very little. Mimi wouldn't eat. <laughs> she was a garbage bin, if you let her. Insane, like I've... Insane. I look at her sometimes and go, when I'm triggered, I cannot eat as much as you if you are allowed. It was insane. Well, this one, she's very well adjusted. Um, she's not well, she will not eat, she's very, very controlled. It's quite a thing to watch in an animal and, you know, one who has problems with food goes, yeah, you're a good example for me, thank you. <laughs> Seriously, she's, she's like, she's quite something. Yeah, sometimes she does pick up bones if she sees them around, she does, but she's not really much. She's very picky. And so neat. Right, little bugger. So, this being said, I'm still looking for, you know, a companion for her. Someone who is a renegade and who needs a home and doesn't cost a an arm and a leg that we cannot afford, you know? And also, I'm really like out of principle, I'm so sick of it, you know? How they just turn everything into a business, you know? Oh, vets are so expensive, it's like, let's go analyze why vets are expensive then. The art of war. Let's go analyze this shit, man, because this is not war, this is more... <laughs> let's go at the root of the issue, you know? And let's resolve it because it's obvious that it'll be a lot cheaper to organize things in such a way that you don't need huge facilities to be run with all the people who work there and cost money, cost, cost, cost. Yeah, if you've ever run your own business, you know the difference between cost, revenues, you know, and all that good shit. You know also how much, you know, they try and screw you with uh, fees here and there by the way, but that's another story. Especially if you're not a corporation, if you're a small business, we know how it works. And, you know, it's just look at it and you think, really, in all this time, the best you could come up with was to basically learn how to sort of profit and create jobs for yourselves who, you know, obviously don't want to work in other settings and want to have a job that makes you feel somewhat you're making a difference but are you really because what you're really doing is following a bunch of rules dictated by those who are trying to sell more pharmacare to the pets in this time that's their target right now and you know when the pets get sick from that shit you try and go and sue them good luck by the way and you know they are never liable for what they sell you but somehow you cannot go without it so they impose it without then standing behind it and when you say something you're a bad guy no i'm not a bad guy i'm just someone who's tired of being screwed i'm someone who's tired of doing all the fucking work and then being paid nothing and i'm tired of uh being always the one who's made to feel bad for this and that when i'm not doing any of it it's all someone else is doing so you, you pick up the slack and they don't even say thank you, no, they make you pay more for it almost, you know, seriously, it's ridiculous, and then they claim there is a problem, it's a business, that's what it is, it's business, sometimes I wonder, you know, if I didn't see it with my own eyes, and I have animals in need, I would go, wow, it's all a big hoax, isn't it, 
It's not. I know it's not all a big hoax, but a lot of it, I'm starting to really look and go, hmm. How sad, huh, that we've come to this. And that's the animals. So, I can go in circles with everything, because if you start looking at things, really, they're all connected. They are all connected. And my only goal and scope is to find a way to resolve the issues, not to freaking talk about it. Talking about shit without finding a resolution, it's absolutely useless. I mean, you don't have to find a resolution right away, but that should be the aim. If you're just talking about it for talking about it, I'm sorry, I'm not into that. Rhetoric and bullshit like that, just by themselves without having an actual practical reason. We live in, in, in a mess right now. I just don't have the luxury for that kind of stuff. Maybe one day when we don't have to, you know, try and make things better. Okay. Or we could just stop giving a fuck altogether and, you know, be like those, uh, you know, fake gurus who live the life because they've sold their soul and they pretend they haven't. You know, and they just, oh, it is how it is. But, I mean, they're not the real ones. The real ones are in the trenches. And even though they're in the trenches, they're still always positive. And that's why I always say I'm not a fucking guru. Because God knows, I can go on and on freaking pointing out the shit that really disgusts me and that's not what a guru does and as negative as that is i'm speaking the truth so i'm not really being negative i'm just not being as pleasant as a guru would be yes absolutely sorry i'm not at that level i never claimed i was and i am upset about it absolutely because i care and it i have suffered for it as a kid and then i see a lot of suffering around and i don't want it to go on i want it to stop I don't think people should make money off of the suffering of others in that way. If you want to make money, then invent something. Invent a product that is needed and many people will buy and boom, you've made your money. And you've made your money in a way that has actually contributed something positive to society. But when you just, you know, make a lot of money off of the stupidity, the weaknesses of others, uh, you're a parasite in, in that behavior. You're having a parasitic moment. <laughs> parasitic moment! <laughs> and I'm sorry, but you know, it's really bullshit. And that's the bottom line. It is fucking bullshit. And a lot of people are like that. And then they try and deny that they are like that. No, I'm a good person. I promise you. And it's like, you don't have to fucking convince me. I'm not your judge, man. <laughs> At worst, I just don't want to have to have you around me if you're an asshole, but that's it. That's the consequence you get from me. Oh my god, there's such bad consequences. Or maybe I'll talk about in my stream that I'm upset about something. But do I ever give away your private names and addresses? No, I'm not a fucking psycho. And I don't come on your streams and troll you and do all kinds of shit like the way you do. No, I don't. It's not that I never have. Don't make mistakes. Anybody can do things. But I don't want to go on people's stuff and do it. If you keep provoking me, I'll use whatever necessary measures I can without turning into you <laughs> to get you to stop. 
So I'm not an asshole like you, but I will stop you if I have to. I just try and avoid confrontation whenever I can. But you know, if you keep posting shit that is uh, crap, and uh, you keep harassing, then eventually, sometimes, it may happen. That's something, you know. As I age, I learn to not bother. And that's why I'm laughing, because I'm thinking about my younger... When I did pursue such um, things, and then, you know, I was quickly taught not to. And <laughs> that, there were better ways to do it. And so now that's what I do. And karma does have a lot more imagination and weapons than we do, so really, you know, many times it's about setting an intention and being in the place to have a right to do so. Some kind of a right, because there is an imbalance of energy, and that's what gives the right. If someone wrongs you, and there is an imbalance of energy, then that energy seeks to find balance and so that person will receive what they put out by usually someone else not the ones they have hurt but instant karma exists right so sometimes that's what i've witnessed over and over but it's my perspective i remember and that's the other thing a lot of people keep forgetting that because they are so used to following these fake gurus, you know, real gurus. And again, I never said I was a guru, but I've been around them. And real gurus are very humble people. And they're not playing any part. Like when you're around them, you feel good. And it's not because they're fake. You actually feel good. It's not the same thing as those fake ones. They can play the part well, some of them. So I'll give you that. If you don't really pay a lot of attention and you're not really in tune, they can fool very well. It's a really good job they do. Good simulation, but it's not the real thing. And you can tell if you're really tuning to your core. It's a very different vibration and you know, it's just what it is, right? But the thing is, the, the the shame is in those who do the fooling, not in the ones who have been fooled. Remember that. Always remember that. Those who fool others are the ones who should feel ashamed, not the other way around. You're not hurting anybody, they are. You can only do your best, really, you know? Well, they do, they do do their best. They do their best in being the worst. <laughs> That's for sure. Anyway. And just not to make it too boring, you know. I've... Some verbal caca in the beginning of reading the book. So we're at chapter 11. Of the... <laughs> the Art of War. <laughs> by Sun Tzu. <laughs> And uh, it says the nine situations. So we're gonna start reading now.
dive into them. Number one, Sun Tzu said, the art of war recognizes nine varieties of ground. One, dispersive ground. Two, facile ground. Three, contentious ground. And four, open ground. Five, ground of intersecting highways. Six, serious ground. Seven, difficult ground. Eight, hemming ground. And nine, desperate ground. Two, when a chieftain is fighting in his own territory, it is dispersive ground. Three, okay, let's, let's think about teams fighting each other. Three, when he has penetrated into hostile territory, but to not great distance, it is facile ground. I think it's facile, but let's see. Facile. It's facile ground. I always screw it up. It's all. I'm a wop after all. <laughs> and I think, isn't it from French? Because that's why also. See, that's a problem. If you learn different languages, then you have this mash in your head. And even after many years and having forgotten most of it, you still have some stuff that's stuck in there and it really fucks you up. My brain just likes to make a hot pot of it all. It's that stupidity, you know? The lack of too much intelligence. Okay, I can't do it. No, I can't make it come up. Uh. Yeah, it is from French or from Latin. Facilis, facilis, easy from facere, do me, yeah, and then he became fare, sometimes we use facere just to be funny, and that's the other thing, like, it's spelled like facile, so, it's funny though how I went facile and not facile, I went to French before Italian, that's really screwed up, right, <laughs> yep, that's my brain, when we used to study four languages, oh man, it was a mess. And I really had a hard time sometimes because I just, the brain just didn't care. I would pick the word that would come up first and then, you know, people look at you like, yeah, we know you're studying four languages. Like, no, it's not that. <laughs> I'm just an idiot and I cannot, you know. <laughs> But everybody has those problems, just some people have them more than others. Again, it's, you know, that lack of intelligence. Four, ground, the possession of which imports great advantage to either side is content contentious ground. Well, yeah. Five, ground on which each side has liberty of movement is open ground. And six, a ground which forms the key to three contiguous states, so that he who occupies it first has most of the empire at his command, is a ground of intersecting highways. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Seven, it's kind of like the river in the middle almost. 7. When an army has penetrated into the heart of a hostile country, leaving a number of fortified cities in its rear, 
It is serious ground. Serious. 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 <laughs> Eight. Mountain forests, rugged steps, and marshes and fens, all country that is hard to traverse. This is difficult ground. Yeah. Nine. Ground which is reached through narrow gorges and from which we can only retire by tortuous paths so that a small number of the enemy would suffice, suffice to crush a large body of our men. This is hemmed in ground. Hemmed in. Hemmed in ground. Hemmed in ground. Got it? Hemmed in. It's like a hem. Not a ham to eat. <laughs> Although I know some of you thought about that. Admit it, you thought about the ham. <laughs> now, if it's vegan, you can have it and feel good about it. You haven't killed it. I know you'll say it doesn't taste like the other stuff. But don't worry, let them do some chemical stuff. They'll get there eventually. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, ten. Ground on which we can only be saved from destruction by fighting without delay is desperate ground. <laughs> it's called the Valkyrie ground. Don't fuck with the Valkyries. They'll kill you. The, the Valkyries. That's what I meant. Anyway, 11. On dispersive ground, therefore, fight not. On facile fas <laughs> ground, halt not. On contentious ground, attack not. 12. On open ground, do not try to block the enemy's way. On the ground of interesting highways, join hands with your allies. 13. On serious ground, gather in plunder. That was a weird noise out there. In difficult ground, keep steadily on the march. <laughs> so, on serious ground, gather in plunder. And in difficult ground, keep steadily on the march. On hemming ground, resort to stratagem. On desperate ground, fight. 15. Those who were called skillful leaders of old knew how to drive a wedge between the enemy's front and rear to prevent cooperation between his large and small divisions to hinder the good troops from rescuing the bad the officers from rallying their men 16 when the enemy's men were united they managed to keep them in disorder. 17. When it was to their advantage, they made a forward move, when otherwise they stopped still. 18. If asked how to cope with a great host of enemy in orderly array and on the point of marching to the attack, I should say Begin by seizing something which your opponent holds dear. Then he will be amenable to...
to your will. Get it? And that's what a cult does? 19. Rapidity is the essence of war. Take advantage of the enemy's unreadiness. Make your way by unexpected routes and attack unguarded spots. 20. The following are the principles to be observed by an invading force. The further you penetrate into a country, the greater will be the solidarity of your troops. And thus, the defenders will not prevail against you. 21. Make forays in fertile countries in order to supply your army with food. So make sure, you know, that's very important. You know, and again, so then they go to Italy because you know, there was a lot of, you know, fertile stuff going on there. Plus they had to cook when they seized the whole thing, right? 22. Carefully study the well-being of your men and do not overtax them. <laughs> That's 22, guys. That's funny. Maybe it'll happen in 22. Concentrate your energy and hoard your strength. Keep your army continually on the move and devise unfathomable plans. 23. Throw your soldiers into positions whence there is no escape and they will prefer death to flight. If they will face death, there is nothing they may not achieve. Officers and men alike will put forth their uttermost strength that's right, that's how much they value your life. 24. Soldiers, when in desperate straits, lose the sense of fear. If there is no place of refuge, they will stand firm. If they are in hostile country, they will show a stubborn front. If there is no help for it, they will fight hard. 25. Thus, without waiting to be marshaled, the soldiers will be constantly on the quive, on the kivive, kivive. Without waiting to be asked, they will do your will. Without restrictions, they will be faithful. Without giving orders, orders they can be trusted. Oh, and I... Let's see what they say about that. Yeah, it's a uh, is from French, of course, and... <laughs> and it means uh, keys, who, right? And leave. So basically, what they mean is, whose side are you on? That's what the meaning of that apparently is. Kiviva! We're gonna say that now. We're gonna butcher that. <laughs> Leave it to me to butcher the shit. 
So anyway, how crazy, eh? So, don't you understand that's exactly what they've been doing? But, just wanted to throw that there. That's why I'm stopping there a little bit. Because, think about it. You know? So, without waiting to be asked, they will do your will. Without restriction, they will be faithful. Without giving orders, they can be trusted. Don't you see? 26. Prohibited the taking of omens. And do away with the superstitious doubts. Then, until death itself comes, no calamity need be feared. I mean, prohibit the taking of omens, guys, and do away with superstitious doubts. Hello? Yeah, let's say that all Reiki and all, you know, does that remind you of that cycle who was literally uh, talking shit publicly and in her email about uh, all the stuff that helps people because she's a religious bible thumper and everything that is um, you know uh, truly helpful of course she's gonna try and discredit and then she was trying to say that we were doing it because we said why are you trying to put down what others do so publicly on top of it when obviously, you know, she was literally saying to people, don't do this. You don't do that. That's just fucked up. You know? And, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about here, guys. It's all about the superstition and the bullshit they have for stuff that works that is actually based on good things, right? But 27. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. 27. If our soldiers are not overburdened with money, <laughs> it is not because they have a distaste for riches. If their lives are not unduly long, it is not because they are disinclined to longevity. 28. On the day they are ordered out to battle, your soldiers may weep, those sitting up, bedewing their garments, and those lying down, letting the tears run down their cheeks. But let them once be brought to bay, and they will display the courage of a chew or a QA. QA, whatever. I wanted to see that word. Bedewing. Bedewing, bedewing. Cover or sprinkle with drops of water or other liquid. Well, can you be more poetic? <laughs> Wait, I should highlight that one. Bidewing. <laughs> it sounds so... It's <laughs> special. Anyway. Let me be. Let me be. Let me be. Let me be. I have to be silly. Let me be. <laughs> But let, once, let them once be brought to bay, and they will display the courage of a chew or a QA. I want to see how that's spelled. Kiwi <laughs> Chin Hung, Chu Ching, Chancellor of the Song Dynasty. 
Kiwi Ping Yeo, Indonesian classical pianist. I think they probably, you know, Kiwi uh, Chin, probably that dude there. It's a pretty old dude. Um, it seems that he could have been the one to kick hands, the chancellor of maybe, I don't know, of the Song Dynasty. It was a long time ago, so they used to still rip each other apart a lot more. Okay, never mind. Um, yeah, I, I did used to watch Bruce Lee when I was a kid, so we used to always, you know, make those funny noises trying to imitate our buddy Bruce. Anyway, 29. The skillful tactician may be likened to the Shuai Yang. Shuai Yang! I want to say it, sort of, sort of. Shuai Yang! Is a Chinese surname, Shuai, and was changed to Shuai to avoid conflict with the name of Sima Shi, a military general. Oh, well, there you go, they even changed the name, guys. <laughs> but it's a Shuai Jan. It's together, it's like the. Let me see if they give me... No, no, no. Ah, stupid thing. I'm just not very good with this stuff. It never works for me. It doesn't show anything. So I'm not sure how this is... Um I made a mess, if you only saw. So the skillful technician may be likened to the Shuai, Shuai Jan. I'm not sure what it is. Now the Shuai Jan is a snake. Okay, now no, sometimes if I go forward, I'll know right away. It's a snake that is found in the Chung Mountains. Strike at its head and you will be attacked by its tail. Strike at its tail and you will be attacked by its head. Strike at its middle, and you will be attacked by head and tail both. 30. <laughs> you get the picture? Asked if an army can be made to imitate the Shuai Jan. I wanna, I actually should just highlight it. So, I'm gonna Shuai Jan you. Shuai Jan you from now on. You should say it. I'm gonna shuijan you! <laughs> I should answer yes. For the men of Wu and the men of Wei are enemies. Yet, if they are crossing a river in the same boat and are caught by a storm, they will come to each other's assistance just as the left hand helps the right. 31. Hence, it is not enough to put one's trust in the tethering of horses and the buring of chariot wheels in the ground. 32. The principle on which to manage an army is to set up one standard of courage which all must reach. 33. How to make the best of both strong and weak, that is a question involving the proper use of ground. 34. Thus, the skillful general conducts his army just as though 
he were leading a single man willingly, willy-nilly by the hand. Willy-nilly. Not willingly. Willy-nilly. 35. It is the business of a general to be quiet and thus ensure secrecy, upright and just and thus maintain order. 36. He must be able to mystify his officers and men by false reports and appearances and thus keep them in total ignorance. 37. By altering his arrangements and changing his plans, he keeps the enemy without definite knowledge. By shifting his camp and taking circuitous routes, he prevents the enemy from anticipating his purpose. 38. At the critical moment, the leader of an army acts like one who has climbed up a height and then kicks away the ladder behind him. He carries his men deep into hostile territory before he shows his hand. 39. He burns his boats and breaks his cooking pots like a shepherd driving a flock of sheep. He drives his men this way and that and nothing knows whither he is going. 40. To muster his host and bring it to, into danger, this may be termed the business of the general. 41. So basically they deceive you, they don't tell. That's, it's the modern managers. In many cases, not in every field, but most. 41. The different measures are suited to the nine varieties of ground. The expediency of aggressive or defensive tactics and the fundamental laws of human nature. These are things that must most certainly be studied. I mean, hello! They're telling you, 42, when invading hostile territory, the general principle is that penetrating deeply brings cohesion. Penetrating, but a short way, means dispersion. 43, dispersion. 43, when you leave your own country behind and take your army across neighborhood territory, you find yourself on critical ground. When there are means of communication on all four sides, the ground is one of intersecting highways. 44. When you penetrate deeply into a country, it is serious ground. When you penetrate but a little way, it is facile ground. 45. When you have the enemy's strongholds on your rear and narrow passes in front, it is hemmed in ground. When there is no place of refuge at all, it is desperate ground. 46. Therefore, on dispersive ground, I would inspire my men with unity of purpose. On facile ground, I would see that there is close connection between all parts of my army. And 47. On contentious ground, I would hurry up my rear. And 48. On open ground, I will keep a vigilant eye on my defenses. On ground of interesting highways, I would consolidate my alliances. 49. 
On serious ground, I will try to ensure a continuous stream of supplies. And on difficult ground, I will keep pushing on along the road. 50. On hemmed-in ground, I will block any way of retreat. On desperate ground, I will proclaim to my soldier the hopelessness of saving their lives. 51. For it is the soldier's disposition to offer an obstinate resistance when surrounded, to fight hard when he cannot help himself, and to obey promptly when he has fallen into danger. 52. We cannot enter into alliance with neighboring princes until we are acquainted with their designs. We are not fit to lead an army on the march unless we are familiar with the face of the country, its mountains and forests, its pitfalls and precipices, its marshes and swamps. We shall be unable to turn natural advantages to account unless we make use of local guides. 53. To be ignored of any one of the following four or five principles does not befit a warlike prince. 54. When a warlike prince attacks a powerful state, his generalship shows itself in preventing the concentration of the enemy's forces. He, he overawes his opponents and their allies are prevented from joining against him. 55. Hence, he does not strive to ally himself with all and sundry, nor does he foster the power of other states. He carries out his own secret designs, keeping his antagonists in awe. Thus, he is able to capture their cities and overthrow their kingdoms. 56. Bestow rewards without regard to rule. Issue orders without regard to previous arrangements. And you will be able to handle a whole army as though you had to do with but a single man. Do you want me to read that again? I mean, the one before also was interesting and to pay attention to. 57. Confront your soldiers with the deed itself. Never let them know your design. When the outlook is bright, bring it before their eyes, but tell them nothing when the situation is gloomy. <laughs> 58. Place your army in deadly peril, and it will survive. Plunge it into desperate straits, and it will come off in safety. 59. For it is precisely when a force has fallen into harm's way that is capable of striking a blow for victory. 60. Success in warfare is gained by carefully accommodating ourselves to the enemy's purpose. 61. By persistently hanging on the enemy's flank, we shall succeed in the long run in killing the commander-in-chief. 62. This is called the ability to accomplish the thing by sheer cunning. 63. On the day that you take up your command, block the frontier passes, destroy the official tallies, 
and stop the passage of all emissaries. 64. Be stern in the council chamber so that you may control the situation. 65. If the enemy leaves a door open, you must rush in. 66. Forestall your opponent by seizing what he holds dear and subtly contrive to time his arrival on the ground. 67. Walk in the path defined by rule and accommodate yourself to the enemy until you can fight a decisive battle. 68. At first, then, exhibit the coyness of a maiden until the enemy gives you an opening. Afterwards, emulate the rapidity of a running hare and it will be too late for the enemy to oppose you. And that is the end of that chapter. And we're at 48. It's not really like a long time, but I'm gonna take a swig of water. And then we're gonna continue in a minute. So, <clears throat> let me... Oh, let's finish up the art of war. So, done with, done with this. Chapter 12, The Attack by Fire. Sun Tzu said there are five ways of attacking with fire. The first is to burn soldiers in their camp. The second is to burn stores. The third is to burn baggage trains, the fourth is to burn arsenals and magazines, and the fifth is to hurl dropping fire amongst the enemy. 2. In order to carry out an attack, we must have means available. The material for raising fire should always be kept in readiness. 3. There is a proper season for making attacks with fire and special days for starting a conflagration. Oh, maybe. Conflagration is an extensive fire that destroys a great deal of land or property. I was trying to look for the etymology. But as usual, I am probably not pushing it right. Yeah, it's from 15th century Latin. Conflagrazione. Conflagare. Conflagare. So there you go, we found it. Three, there is a proper season for making attacks with fire and special days for starting a conflagration. Four, the proper season is when the weather is very dry. The special days are those when the moon is in the constellations of the sieve, the wall, the wing, or the crossbar. For these four are all days of rising wind. Five, in attacking with fire, one should be prepared to meet five possible developments. 6-1 When fire breaks out inside to enemy's camp, 
respond at once with an attack from without. 7. 2. If there is an outbreak of fire but the enemy's soldiers remain quiet, sorry, bide your time and do not attack. Those are the rodents, I think, by the way. Rodents, ASMR. Eight, three. When the force of the flames has reached its height, follow it up with an attack. If that is practicable, if not, stay where you are. Those bastards, they wait for me to talk to make noise. They think they're so smart. 9-4 If it is possible to make an assault with fire from without, do not wait for it to break out within, but deliver your attack at a favorable moment. 10-5 When you start a fire, be to windward of it. Do not attack from the leeward. Okay, so, windward facing the wind, okay, and, ah. no, I'm not pointing the right one, I'm, I'm very good at this, and leeward is on or toward the side sheltered from the wind, or toward which the wind is blowing. So, <clears throat> 11. A wind that rises in the daytime lasts long, but a night breeze soon falls. 12. In the every army, in every army, not in the every army, in every army, the five developments connected with fire must be known. The movements of the stars calculated and a watch kept for the proper days. 13. Hence, those who use fire as an aid to attack, to attack show intelligence. Those who use water as an aid to attack gain an accession of strength. 14. By means of water, an enemy may be intercepted, but not robbed of all his belongings. 15. Unhappy is the fate of one who tries to win his battles and succeed in his attacks without cultivating the spirit of enterprise, for the result is waste of time and general stagnation. 16. Hence the saying, the enlightened ruler lays his plans well ahead. The good general cultivates his resources. They're telling you all their secrets right here. The, it's the handbook for psychos, this. I'm telling you. 17. Move not unless you see an advantage. Use not your troops unless there is something to be gained. Fight not unless the position is critical. 18. No ruler should put troops into the field merely to gratify his own spleen. No general should fight a battle simply out of pique. 
or peck, a feeling of irritation or resentment resulting from a slight, especially to one's pride. It's probably from French or pecking. Originals, it's from French, yes, I think, we might have already looked at it, I'm not sure, there's lots of French words anyway. 19. If it is to your advantage, make a forward move. If not, stay where you are. 20. Anger may in time change to gladness. Vexation may be succeeded by content. Anger is a moving energy, so it's much better than the other ones below. And that's why they fear it so much, because it's a, it can move things, change things. 21. But a kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life. Wow, eh? 22. Hence the enlightened ruler is heedful and the good general full of caution. This is a way to keep a country at peace and an army intact. And that's the end of it. And then we have chapter 13, the use of spies. And I think I could possibly put it in there and just read it away and be done. I know I am not having my pep right now, but it's because I'm probably a little low blood sugar. It's got to do with that thyroid and other things. on the wrong window and fucking up the whole thing. You know when you work with just one screen and you have a lot of things open to monitor them, it's not always so easy when you're not technically inclined. So sometimes that's where the fuck shit comes from. It's just, you know, general technical stuff. Yeah, I need another coffee, so it's cold now because I never drink them fast enough. I don't like to drink too fast, so... I don't really like hot stuff myself. It always bother me if it's too warm. I like lukewarm temperature. the tapping always makes me focus again. Chapter 13, The Use of Spies. Sun Tzu said, raising a host of a hundred thousand men and marching them great distances entails heavy loss on the people and a drain on the resources of the state. The daily expenditure will amount to a thousand one ounces of silver. There will be commotion at home and abroad 
A man will drop down exhausted on the highways. As many as 700,000 families will be impeded in their labor. It's like Jesus. Right? Two. Hostile armies may face each other for years, striving for the victory, which is decided in a single day. This being so, to remain in ignorance of the enemy's condition simply because one grudges the outlay of a hundred ounces of silver in honors and emoluments is the height of inhumanity. I guess she agreed with that or something. She hears something around. She is being a doggy. See, one who acts thus is no leader of men, no present help to his sovereign, no master of victory. For thus what enables the wise sovereign and the good general to strike and conquer and achieve things beyond the reach of ordinary man is foreknowledge. Frufru, what are you doing? She wants to do doggy ASMR now. Five. Now, this foreknowledge cannot be elicited from spirits. It cannot be obtained inductively from experience, nor by any deductive calculation. Really. Six. Knowledge of the enemy's dispositions can only be obtained from other men. Okay, then. Seven. Hence the use of spies, of whom there are five classes. One, local spies. Two, inward spies. Three, converted spies. Four, doomed spies. And five, surviving spies. Eight. When these five kinds of spies are all at work, none can discover the secret system. This is called divine manipulation of the threads. It is the sovereign's most precious faculty. 9. Having local spies means employing the services of the inhabitants of a district. 10. Having inward spies making use of officials of the enemy. 11. Having converted spies getting hold of the enemy's spies and using them for our own purposes. 12. Having doomed spies doing certain things openly for purposes of deception and allowing our spies to know of them and report them to the enemy. <laughs> oh my god. 13. Surviving spies, finally, are those who beam back news, who bring back news from the enemy's camp. Yeah. 14. Hence it is that which none in the whole army are more intimate relations to be maintained than with spies. None should be more liberally rewarded. In no other business should greater secrecy be preserved. 15. Spies cannot be usefully employed without a certain intuitive sagacity. Sagacity, sorry. What did I do? I'm not doing it right. 
Yeah, basically, they're, they're just giving. Why do you always give me? It never gives me quite the right things. But it's wisdom, it's basically the ability to adapt and learn and, you know, adapt from what you learn. Anyway, and to know intuitively also. 16. They cannot be properly managed without benevolence and straightforwardness. 17. Without subtle ingenuity of mind, one cannot make certain of the truth of their reports. 18. Be subtle, be subtle, and use your spies for every kind of business. 19. If a secret piece of news is divulged by a spy before the time is ripe, he must be put to death together with the man to whom the secret was told. 20. Whether the object to be crush an army, to storm a city, or to assassinate an individual, it is always necessary to begin by finding out the names of the attendants, the aides de camp, and doorkeepers, and sentries of the general in command. Our spies must be commissioned to ascertain this. 21. The enemy spies who have come to spy on us must be sought out, tempted with bribes, led away and comfortably housed. Thus, they will become converted spies and available for our service. I mean, look at all this stuff they do, right? It's exactly what they've been doing with immigrants, uh, trying to make them do this and this, the migrants, you know, those guys. And it's, it's just, this is all you can see, like, as their tactics. I'm telling you, this is the guidebook for the cycles. 22. It is through the information brought by the converted spy that we are able to acquire and employ local and inward spies. 23. It is owing to this information again that we can cause the doomed spy to carry false tidings to the enemy. 24. Lastly, it is by his information that the surviving spy can be used on appointed occasions. 25. The end and aim of spying in all its five varieties is knowledge of the enemy and this knowledge can only be derived in the first instance from the converted spy hence it is essential that the converted spy be treated with the utmost liberality 26 of old the rise of the yin dynasty was due to ai chi who has served under the the Shah. The Shah. Likewise, the rise of the Shu dynasty, I think it's, it's Shu or Chao, let me check. Yeah, because I'm, I really don't remember. Zhu, I think, okay, variant spelling of Zhu. Su, sorry if I butcher it, dynasty, was due to Lu Ya, who had served under the Yin. 27. Hence, it is only the enlightened ruler and the wise general who will use the highest intelligence of the army for purpose of spying and thereby they achieve great results. 
Spines are a most important element in water, because on them depends an army's ability to move. And that's the end of the war. Uh, the, the, um, that's the end of the art of war. That's the end of the war. <laughs> Just like that, I finished reading the book. And the war ended, guys. I am that powerful, yes. <laughs> oh, shit. No, it's because I have two versions. And... I was, uh... There, I just... And then they're showing me more. Sunzi. They also call him, apparently. That's... Man, sometimes I just can't get it to work, yeah. But that's the end of it, guys. That's uh, the, the end of the book. We are done. Let me out of here! Oh my god, I'm gonna have a panic attack. There are some things that just... Oh, it's unbelievable how... When I used to play Halo, I had to stop because not only I would get dizzy, but when I would get stuck, I was looking up. That was my thing. I could not unstuck it. I was always doing things that would get me stuck. I would go into a panic. It's insane, and I don't know how that is in my mind, the same as being suffocated, but it's the crazy feeling trapped, and it's insane, like, how crazy you're driving. So I stopped playing Halo because I just couldn't handle it. I don't like first-shooter games. I like uh, car racing a lot more. That I really enjoy, actually. The first shooter game is really hard for me to focus and I get really dizzy and then I I get kind of sick to my stomach so it's it just it gives me a headache over time because my eyes cannot always focus so fast and then I strain them and I find myself really irritated and tired so I just avoid certain games. It's funny because then I would play Tetris which can be really stressful sometimes when it goes really fast. But I try to avoid all that stuff now, and just do more relaxing stuff, if anything, aside from, you know, going on on Terrence about uh, all the shit that is going on out there, but, you know, at least that stuff is ma is important, it's not like this other bullshit. doesn't really matter in the long run, right? Or maybe it's not important, I mean, just like the Guru says, it is what it is, you know? Yep, that's a good attitude to have, if one can do it. I always call it not giving a shit, but maybe it's not it, right? Like, it's just giving a shit without um, having an external reaction. I don't know. So, there you have it anyway. That's a book. That's the end of it. I'm gonna put the two things together so you have it in one piece at least. And it's not too big of a file. And uh, what book to read next? Well, there are so many books that I want to read. So, I'm gonna check out. I wanted to read the Jonathan Livingstone Seagull because I haven't read it in a long time and I wanted to read it in English. And it's a really great book. Maybe I'll do that. And it's pretty short. 
And then maybe one of those Buddha's one, because with Buddha would be interesting or something. Just to read stuff that is a little funnier. I like funny stuff, because then it like, tends to move all over, and I don't go into my... I still go into my bullshit when I see all the crap that goes on all there, but you know. At some point you gotta let it go, right? How do you know Pekan isn't there? He's not there anymore anyway, he's gone now, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe he is, I don't know. He's probably gone to sleep because it's kind of getting late there. <laughs> Looking at the time. And there is this terrible delay I find. Depends on which platform the stream is on. Some of them are really delayed. Maybe it's just me, but I've been having all these issues with connections and we shouldn't because we pay a lot of money I don't know now it's fine I was looking what time it was because in the rush hours that's when it gets worse sometimes but it was in weird times today so I don't know anyway so that book is done I'm gonna stop this video because you don't need to Hear that and make the file very long.